William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury for a, a short period of time from 1942 to 1944, had an interesting perspective on prayer. He said this. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. Now, I think he's getting at something that maybe we all kind of struggle with with prayer. Because prayer is difficult to understand. We can't fully, unequivocally identify the results of prayer. We can't put prayer to a scientific test and say, let me, let me try this. I'm, I'm facing this situation. I'm, I'm facing a, a, a situation at home. Uh, let me pray about it. And then you see what happens. And then you say, okay, let's rewind time, and this time let me not pray, and I'll see what happens. You know, that would be sort of a, a more rigorous scientific test of prayer. But you can't do that, of course. So we pray, and we think something is going to happen. We have faith that something has happened, but we can't absolutely prove it. And yet, this faith of here of, uh, of William Temple, uh, he believed in prayer. And he prayed and he connected prayer with what happened, what, what he saw happening in his life and in the world around him too. And of course, he was um, Archbishop in England uh, in the time of World War II. And he was very outspoken about what was happening and encouraging uh, the, the England in particular to welcome the, the flood of refugees that were coming in from mainland Europe as fleeing the Nazi persecution. He was outspoken about what was happening in Germany to the Jews. And he prayed. And he said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. Prayer here at VCBC is one of our core values. And as we are thinking also of Advent, of the coming of Jesus, I want us to think today a bit about prayer and the life of Jesus. Prayer here at VCBC is something that should be at the center of all we do. And maybe there's always areas, uh, always ways we can improve and do more, but it should be at the center of everything that we do. We should be moving forward as a church in prayer. We should be uh, moving forward with the ministries that we have and making sure they are surrounded in prayer, that they are given to God in, in a prayerful way. We pray here as we come together as a community on Sunday morning. We come to worship, to hear from God's Word, to sing, to meet together, but we come to pray. And we've seen examples of that. If you just think about what's happened in the service so far this morning, there have been opportunities for us to come together and pray. We pray, we should pray during the week as we're facing our, the, the day-to-day challenges of life. We should be praying at home. We should be praying with our families. We should be praying for our families. We should be praying for our health, for our church, for each other. We know these things. We, these, this isn't anything new to anybody. I think we should all recognize that this is an important part of what we do as followers of God, as God's children, we pray to God. We talk to God. But we also see that prayer is an important part of Jesus' life. 
It's also an important part of His coming to, to, uh, to live on earth here. But when we think of Jesus coming and when we think of Advent, we, we, the, these kind of images come to mind maybe. Uh, the angel coming to Mary and announcing to her what's going to happen. The Annunciation. This is a painting by uh, Leonardo da Vinci. A representation of the angel's coming. And those, the, the, these are things that stick in our minds about Christmas. The angel coming to speak to Mary. The shepherds uh, being visited by angels and then going to see the baby Jesus or Joseph and Mary uh, heading to Bethlehem to register and to be counted for the census. These are the kind of images that come to mind. Sort of the Sunday school images that come to mind when we think of Christmas, when we think of Jesus' birth. But I want us to think this morning, to take a little time and think about Jesus, His birth and His life, and how prayer is all connected with that. That Jesus was one who was surrounded by prayer. And we see prayer and Jesus coming together as He comes to live on earth. The interesting thing is that Jesus somehow in some way was connected to John the Baptist. And we see that Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for a child. And we'll see how this leads into, uh, into the life of Jesus. Luke 1, verse 11 to 13 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Zechariah was a priest, and he was serving in the temple in Jerusalem. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. They were both very faithful and committed to God. Not only was Zechariah a priest, but his wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron who established the first priesthood and who was the, the founder of that priesthood um, a, a thousand or fifteen hundred years before uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were, uh, or this story takes place about Zechariah and Elizabeth. You won't find a couple that, would be, that you could say would be more dedicated, more devoted to God. The Bible says that they observed all of God's commands perfectly. Here was sort of an ideal husband and wife. And yet they grew old together without having any children. And so that prayer was on Zechariah's part. And it says that they were both very old. It says that they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both, the Bible describes them as very old. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but they were presumably Elizabeth was beyond childbearing years. And then the angel comes and says to Zechariah, You're going to have a baby. Well, this is astounding news, but this is an answer to prayer. Here is God coming and telling Zechariah that his prayers have been heard. His wife is going to have a child, even though she's very old, and this child is going to be called John. Then the Bible goes on in Luke 1.17 and it says, 
that uh, it says, and he will go on before the Lord. This is John in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the answer to Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer for a child was this child, John, who is coming to prepare the way for Jesus. So we see these prayers happening and not really connecting to a Messiah at all. When Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for a child, they were never thinking, we don't, I can't ever imagine that they would be thinking that our, this child we're praying for is the one who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And yet, that's exactly the child that God gives to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And so, in answering Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer, God is preparing the way for Jesus to come. John is the answer to that prayer, and he prepares the way for Jesus to come, which is what we're celebrating uh, here at Christmas time and through Advent. His parents prayed, they served God, and God answered their prayer. Think about Zachariah and Elizabeth for a minute. Imagine yourself in their place. Probably having given up hope a little bit that they would ever have a child. And then God grants them their request. And He doesn't just give them a child, but He gives them a special one that has a special purpose. That He is the one who is going to prepare the way for Jesus to come. John, we read later on, John is in Israel and he's baptizing people. And he is baptizing people so that Jesus would be revealed to all Israel. John pointed people to Jesus in a literal way. When he saw Jesus, he said to them, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John didn't want people to follow him, but he pointed them to Jesus. He wanted them to be followers of Christ instead. So God answers the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And He gives them more than they ever imagined. He gave them one who was going to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. So God was there answering prayers that were leading to the Messiah. And so we see that these prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth were effective. They were answered. They were heard. And God responded. And responded in a great way and blessed them in a huge way with the son John. And the second thing we see is that Jesus Himself is, a, is an answer to prayer. And we read in Luke chapter 2 about two people, Simeon and Anna, who were also in the temple. And we read in Luke 2, verse 28 to 32, it says, Simeon took him, took, this is the baby Jesus, took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then we can look down at Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. And it says, There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, this is Mary and Joseph and Jesus, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now here we see these two, Simeon and Anna, and we need to be careful they're not husband and wife, although we often read about them together. Uh, They were there in the temple. They were praying, and somehow God had revealed to Simeon that he was going to see the Messiah. And so he he was waiting for this. Jesus' parents weren't praying for a child. Stop and think about it for a minute. They were, they were just engaged. Uh, the, they, they were not looking for a child. They weren't praying for, for a baby. Maybe in some vague future sort of sense they were. Maybe they were saying, well, one day when we get married, then God may bless us with children. They may have had a prayer like that. But certainly they were not looking for a child to come right at that point in their lives and in their relationship. They were only engaged. They weren't married yet. They didn't want a child. They never expected anything like that to happen. But we do read about Simeon and Anna who were waiting, who were expecting this Messiah. They were praying for this Messiah to come. They were looking forward to Him. They were serving in the temple. And it says that Anna, she... Uh, she never left the temple, worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. We don't know exactly how long she was there, but it was a long time. And they were waiting for the Messiah. When Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus to the temple, Anna gives thanks to God. God had provided the one they were waiting for. Her prayers were answered. God had finally Brought the Messiah for Simeon to see, and Simeon is thankful. He's he's grateful from his from his heart, and he he even says in this interesting way. He says, "You may now dismiss your servant in peace." In a roundabout way, he's saying, "My life is finished. I've been. This is what I've been waiting for. You told me I would see this before I I've died, and now." I see the Messiah. So my work is done. Whatever he was doing, his work is done. He says, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He would go knowing that God had fulfilled His promise to him. And so we see that Jesus Himself is an answer to prayer. Jesus is an answer to prayer. Not of His parents' prayers, but of Simeon and Anna. And so as we think about it at this time of year, as we think about Jesus' coming and as we think about our value of prayer, we're reminded that Jesus' coming is indeed an answer to prayer. But it goes further than that because Jesus Himself uh, talks about prayer. Jesus Himself teaches us to pray. And in this familiar passage to us, Jesus' disciples want to know how to pray. And so in Luke 11, verses 1 to 4, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And so we see, first of all, that Jesus here, He had gone off. He He was praying in a certain place. We don't know where, but prayer was important to Him. That was part of His life. He was modeling it for His disciples. When He had finished, the Bible says, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, Teach us to pray, 
just as John taught his disciples. It's an interesting request because Jesus' disciples were all Jews. They had been in the temple. They had heard the priests pray. They saw Jesus pray. They knew about John and how he had taught his disciples. John had taught his own disciples how to pray. And yet they're puzzled. There's something that they maybe they don't understand. There's something happening there that they don't quite get. And they want Jesus to teach them how to pray. You would have thought after growing up in the temple and hearing all the priests pray and all the prayer that's going on, that they would know how to pray, but somehow they're left wondering how to pray. And so we come to Jesus and His response to them. Perhaps one of the things that they were thinking was, well, John taught his disciples how to pray, but you're not teaching us. And so we want to be like the other disciples so that of John and of the other teachers that were around at the time. So they asked him, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus says, and gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. And He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So the disciples get a lesson on praying. And Jesus gives them this simple prayer here in the Gospel of Luke. We also find it in Matthew in a little bit different form in Matthew chapter 6. We're probably familiar with this prayer. Some of us grew up saying this prayer uh, at the start of every school day. Anybody willing to admit that they lived in that day? Okay, there's a few of us. There's a few of us. For those of you who didn't know and couldn't imagine, we actually began every day uh, saying the Lord's Prayer uh, in, our, in our public school. And so this one became uh, very familiar. And maybe even it was counterproductive because it, just, it was just words you, you spouted out every morning and, and to get the school day underway. And you didn't really think about what you were doing or what you were saying, and everybody just did it. And so it's, it maybe lost a little bit of its meaning. But it's important. It's important. We want to notice that this is how Jesus Himself taught us to pray. We want to remember that when Jesus, before Jesus was born, for thousands of years, people were praying. That God was answering those prayers. God answered the prayers and uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth and gave them John who led the way, prepared the way for Jesus to come. Some were praying for Jesus, the Messiah, to come, for the Messiah to come. And then Jesus teaches us to pray. So we see all around Jesus there is prayer. All around His life, before, at His birth when He was very young, and then Jesus Himself teaching and modeling that life of prayer. And Jesus teaches us to pray, and it's, that prayer is so simple. So when you look at the, the parts of the Lord's Prayer, you can see that there's different parts, and that's a, something for another sermon, or if you've been in following in pursue for the last few months, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. But we can see that prayer is simple and straightforward. 
But sometimes we feel like our prayers need to be long and we use big words that will impress God. And so if we can use the right words that God will somehow listen to us, that maybe the key to prayer is using the right words and that if we, if we say the right words in the right way at the right time, then God will listen to us. But that's not what Jesus is teaching us. He's giving us this simple prayer that we can pray. And so even His disciples, and He knows these twelve that are with Him, and he, Jesus knows these twelve are going to go. And after His death and resurrection, these twelve are going to carry the Gospel to the ends of the earth. These twelve are going to start a new movement, a world-changing movement. And you would expect Jesus to say, let me tell you, here, we're going to have a three-day workshop on prayer. Because you guys are going to be world changers. You guys are going to face persecution like you've never seen and you need to be prepared. So we need to really spend a lot of time teaching you on prayer. But Jesus doesn't do that. He knows that all those things about His disciples are going to be true. But He says, let me tell you, this is how you pray. And He gives them this simple prayer. And that's what Jesus wants from us. To pray simply. To pray from our hearts. To not pray to impress other people. But pray those things that are on our hearts. And pray that, uh, that God's name would be lifted up and glorified. That hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who has sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. It's a simple prayer. But Jesus also teaches His disciples at some other time. And we find this in John chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. He also teaches us, teaches His disciples, and thereby teaching us. He says, And I will do whatever you ask in My name, so that the Father may be glorified um, in the Son. You may ask for anything in My name, and I will do it. So it teaches John, John, Jesus teaches us to pray in His name. So as well as the Lord's Prayer, we also have that bit that we often end our prayers on. We pray in Jesus' name. In praying in Jesus' name, we're praying with His authority. We're not telling God what to do, but we're praying in Jesus' authority. But we often... Uh, kind of make that mistake. Where our our prayer is a list of things that we want God to do. And so we're sort of adding these things. God, can you do this? And can you do that? And do this other thing? We've got these lists on our list of things that we want God to do. So it could be things like, God, give me a job. Fill my bank account with lots of money. Turn my Subaru Forester into a Lamborghini. You know, things like that. That might be on our, on our to-do list for God to do. And sometimes that's what our prayers are like. But instead we ask God. And we do not do it with any authority that we have, but in Jesus' name. It's like Jesus is praying for us. And praying in Jesus' name also means that we are praying according to God's will. As the Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Instead of my 
kingdom come. My will be done, we say. Your will be done, God, not mine. We put aside ourselves and we submit to God's will in that simple prayer. And that is a life-changing sort of thing to say if you say it from your heart. If you say, God, Your will be done in my life. Not my will be done. We pray for things that will give honor and, and glory to Christ. That's what praying in Jesus' name about is all about. And so we see Jesus Himself as surrounded by prayer. He teaches us about prayer. He models it for us. His life begins with people praying. And in response to all of that, we are to simply pray. We pray. When we don't know what to say, we can use the Lord's Prayer. When words completely fail us, Paul says in Romans 8.26 that the Spirit intercedes for us through uh, wordless groans. In Hebrews chapter 7.25, we read that Jesus is there praying for us. He is sitting at the right hand of God and He's interceding for his, the saints, for us, for His people. And so we pray. And we pray alongside and with and, and in alignment with the Spirit and with Christ Himself. But sometimes we don't pray. Sometimes we don't pray. We get busy in our lives and we, uh, we, we let it slide. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to pray somehow. Maybe we're, we're fearing disappointment if our prayers aren't answered. Maybe we think that it, 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 it doesn't make a difference. So why should I bother? Why should I bother praying? Let me just go about my day and God can take care of all that stuff out there. Maybe we've never seen God answer our prayer. Or maybe we've never really looked to see that God has answered our prayer. But if we think about prayer like talking to God, a God who loves us and cares about us and wants to communicate with us, not communicating with God isn't really a way to build a relationship. A good way to build a relationship with God is to talk to Him and let Him speak to you as well. And in that way, you build a relationship. Sometimes I think we don't pray because we only want uh, sort of a one-way relationship. We want God to, to give us things, to do things for us, to uh, speak to us. And we never take the time to stop and, and pray to God and speak to Him. But it's interesting because it's kind of like a, a chicken and an egg situation. We don't pray because we don't feel comfortable, we don't know what to say, and we don't think it matters. So we don't pray, but then how would we ever see answers to prayer? if we never pray. And when we start to pray and then we start to see answers to prayer, then we, uh, it helps us in our prayer life. It gives us confidence like uh, the Archbishop William Temple to pray knowing that, uh, that things happen. And so we need to start by praying. Sometimes maybe we think that God isn't listening to our prayers. It takes a pretty big God to answer all of our prayers. 
We think of all the followers of Jesus, all whatever it is, two billion of us around the world praying at least every Sunday when they gather. Think of all the prayers that have been offered up to God just in the last few hours around the world as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ have gathered to worship God and to pray together corporately. Imagine that cloud of witnesses, that group of people praying to God, lifting up hands and lifting up these prayers to God. And you think, How can God listen to my prayer? God's got so much to listen to. There are so many needs in the world. There are so many people in such desperate situations. How does God listen to my prayer request? How does God remember? I walk into the kitchen and I forget what I went there for. How can God remember when two billion people are praying to Him all at the same time? And you think, God can't be listening. God's too busy. But God is vaster than we can, than we can even imagine. And He gives us a glimpse of that in His creation when you stand outside on a dark night and you look and you see the stars and you have some sense of how far away they are from us and God created every one of those. It starts to give you a heart that says, God can listen to all those prayers. God can somehow in a way that's beyond my understanding, God can listen. So God does listen. God does listen and He hears our prayers. Maybe we don't pray because we think we've already prayed. We don't need to pray more than once. We just pray and we can leave it at that. And Jesus is there and He's interceding for us and the Holy Spirit is there and He is also uh, somehow praying in a way. And so why would my prayers count? Especially more than once. Do I really need to pray more than once? Well, Jesus tells a fascinating parable about a, a widow, a persistent widow who, who pesters uh, an unjust judge for justice. And she keeps going back and she campaigns for justice and she doesn't give up and she keeps going and pesters him until he finally gives in. This is not saying that we need to pester God to do the right thing. But please for our pleas for justice and righteousness and God's glory in this world need to keep going to God. God wants us to keep asking. It shows something of our heart to God Himself when we are persistent in our prayers. So don't give up. Keep praying. And so we are, as the slide says there, just pray. You know, it's not, it's not easy. It, it, it can be difficult. But we are to pray. God calls us to pray and we see it so tightly connected the life of Jesus, this life of prayer. Jesus' life was surrounded by prayer. Before He was born, prayers were preparing the way. At His birth, people were praying. He modeled a life of prayer for us. He taught His disciples how to pray. Now we are to pray. This is what God wants for His children to do, to talk to Him. And so as we take time at this time of year to think about Jesus and His coming to earth this Christmas, we should also take time to pray. And so let's do that now. Let's pray.
Lord, we come to You and we come and we just lift our hearts to You. We pray to You. Lord, the things that are on our heart, I don't know what's on everybody's heart here, but Lord, whatever is on our heart, we give it to You now as an act of prayer to do what Jesus has, 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 has shown us to do in His own life. And Lord, as we think of Christmas, help us to pray and to pray in Jesus' name. Amen.